Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, friend. Hello, friend. <laughs> jinx, personal jinx. You can't talk until I say your full name. Have you been talking to my eight-year-old godson? Because I've, no. I've literally, this week, I didn't know that jinx was still a thing. But it obviously is because this has become the bane of my life. He started talking like a beat behind you so that he can try and do it. And now they've got a new one where they go, lock in jinx, something else, toxic jinx. And interestingly, you just said you can't talk until I say your full name. Whereas he says it's you've got to say someone's name three times. (laughs) I'm... Obviously, we are spirit animals, um, William and I. Um, you know what? When we play Jinx, I haven't done Jinx for a long time, but I haven't talked at the same time as someone um, for a long time because um, normally I wait for them. <laughs> I'm polite. Anyway, I kind of did it on purpose because I wanted to be the starter of the pod, and no. that's what how you introduce it. You're not the pod starter. You, you can finish, but you don't start it. I am the gatekeeper of the pod. <laughs> And the thing is, even if I do, notice there are weeks where you start it, and I just chop that off the top. So <laughs> for this word, I was going to say you can just edit me out anyway. Um, yeah, yeah that, like I'm sure you'll be very, very surprised to hear that Jinx got very aggressive um, in the Waterman household growing up. And if you spoke when you were under Jinx, it was dead leg, dead arm time. You were you were in for a bit of a beating because it was taken seriously. <laughs> I love how these things like stick around how it gets passed down through school and like the little things you used to do um you'd draw like a little woman in your hand and a squiggle on the other side and you'd do hey Maggie Thatcher throw her up and capture squish 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 here's Maggie Thatcher no I have never heard of that yeah I used to that and did you used to do you'd write on your knuckles t-h-i-s and you do this is and then you'd name the thing on your hand no didn't do that we just did the you know when someone does this and spreads their fingers and then the other person interlocks and if you open them up it looks quite gross um (laughs) open the gates pick some flowers how many have you got you've got 10 boyfriends (laughs) no i i feel like wales is a totally different level like (laughs) 
definitely definitely should we move on from playground chat to like perhaps more serious matters as opposed to taking 20 minutes to talk about rugby that we have done in the past few um, weeks? feel free my friend well i mean not to get heavy quickly um but I feel like we didn't talk about it last week because we were in a situation where the news is very much just breaking about the um, group action um, concussion. <laughs> that is quite a big jump. Yeah, it's heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. It's early doors. But I don't want anyone to think that we didn't talk about it for any reason other than it was very much fresh and coming out the day that we recorded the pod. And I think both of us are in a position where we never want to leap two-footed into something when it's not a hundred percent clear what is going on with a story um so yeah i think this week we've probably got there's a lot more column inches about it in fact it seems to be the kind of main talking point in rugby which um when we've had a european weekend and we've just come off the back of an international window feels very strange that we're talking about something off the field but perhaps this is going to be a watershed moment for the sport because this is obviously a huge issue um, and one that isn't going away despite perhaps um, huge strides that World Rugby have made with protection of players in games. Um, Recognise, remove the uh, laws around players under a certain age. Um, But this is obviously an issue and I think it's something that we're all learning more about. It's something that I think we've probably all had Certainly we think we are educated on, but there have been things in the past week that I certainly have been really shocked by. And I know that you said that you'd read Jess Hayden's article on Rugby Pass and had found it really illuminating. Yeah, like I think from my perspective, all of this, um, it's difficult to form opinion when like you're trying to sift through what's fact, what's research, what's opinion, what's emotion. And um, I suppose the biggest thing for me and the, the article that Jess Um, has written is the huge disparity once again with the lack of research in women's sport and women's rugby in particular and that doesn't surprise me I know that like on in in so many different areas but I think what I hadn't quite realized um, or maybe appreciated I think is probably the the right word is the 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 huge difference between male and female um, rugby players Um, and you know she talks about how there's different types of concussions in men's rugby to women's rugby. And a lot of the women's rugby ones are around whiplash, which is significantly linked to neck strength. Um, Now I know that, you know, interestingly neck strength was something that Graham Smith brought in with England. Um, We used to have these head harnesses and honest to God, it was the funniest thing ever when you saw like one of the front rowers in this like horrendous, like old school scrum hat with like weights hanging off their necks. And then we'd do like prehab exercises and all of us would be like, what are we doing? Like, this is rubbish. Like I'm just pushing my hand against my head. Like, um, but actually they brought in protocols and educated us slowly about it. Um, and I suppose maybe like I was fortunate because that was at the right top end of the game. And Jess is talking about grassroots and actually just any woman coming into to rugby. And I think, the positive side around significant reduction in neck strength is that neck strength can be trained. It's, it's like, you know, we look at ACL injuries and we recognize that women are more potentially susceptible to them because of glute strength. What do we do? We can actually train it and we can improve it. Um, I think the part of it that I've read little bits of, I've heard little bits of information on, I, and, it, and I don't have an opinion on it yet because there's not the, the information 
is around um, the the kind of impact and implication and um, symptoms of concussion. I think that that's something that if women are different to men, how can we recognize and respond and react if there's something that's different? And I think, yeah, that's something that was, I suppose I want to know more about, you know, are women more susceptible to strength, right? Okay, we need to change it. Is it a technical thing because they're coming into the game later? Um, is it a physiological thing that actually, you know, there's some part in the, in the article about like how our brain is formed as a woman compared to a man, like all of that. Um, and I suppose the crux of it is that it's the, it's the significant lack of research. So how can we find out more stuff about women um, away from rugby? And I know you've spoken about like how we've chatted your frustration that rugby isn't looking outside of yeah of it, rugby it's something that I think you know I'm a I, I'm not a massive NFL fan I like NFL for the Americana and I like it for the technology and the kit and the kit yeah I just I love <laughs> NFL stash I, I truly do I'm not being sarcastic <laughs> I um but I, I love lots of things that um weirdly on in a kind of off-field scenario that that they've done and the rules around training in the NFL are really strict. I'm not sure that everyone's aware of this, but you, um, when you begin your like preseason training, you, you are only allowed to start it on a specific date. And that date varies depending on whether your coach coached you the season before, or if you have a new coach, you're allowed to start three weeks earlier. You can start on the first Thursday of April, as opposed to the third Thursday of April, things like that. But one of the big things that they've done since, you know, obviously there's a Will Smith film called Concussion, I believe, um, which is about the class action lawsuit that took place in the NFL about CTE and head injuries. And since then, they've made huge strides. Now, we have to accept rugby, American football, horse racing, all of these sports carry an inherent risk in participation. Football. Football. But the point here with the NFL is that they are reducing the risk outside of match time. So you know that there is a risk of suffering a concussion in a game for whatever reason. And that's the same across many sports. However, in the NFL, they have now limited the training time. So there is no contact training for the first, I think, 12 weeks of preseason. Within a normal week during the season, you are allowed to have three days of training. You have two, three and a half hour sessions per day. And only the morning sessions are allowed to have contact training. They're not allowed to do any contact training in the afternoons. Now, the skill levels in the NFL are increasing year on year. It's not like we're seeing NFL go backwards. The NFL gets better every year. Games are better. The way that they play is better. So there, there can't be an argument that by reducing this, you're going to bastardize the game which is you know what we are going to get from some quarters i have been really frustrated by seeing men of a certain age and a certain ilk commenting about how the game's going soft because of these things and i just think you can think that the game is going soft but the game is going to be extinct if we don't make changes soon because regardless of how those of us who were involved in the game and loved the game feel there are more we are a niche sport and there are more people outside of it who are going to pressurize things to change. And if we don't change, if we don't look at what we can change to make things safer for people and make it a more palatable sport, then it's not going to exist in 15, 20 years time. Yeah, no, I am. Um, obviously, you know, I love rugby and I love 
um, everything about it on the contact side. Um, but as a fullback, I didn't do as much contact training as the, the back, as the rest of the backs, or actually the rest of the forwards. Um, you know, when I, when I think about some of the sessions we've done, when it's like you're practicing defending your own try line, um, pick and goes and stuff. Obviously, I I was as far away as possible when, but when you got caught in, it's like no. But like the the repetitive nature of it is tough, and yeah. it's a you know, sometimes used as um, mental resilience as much as physical resilience, as much as technical and tactical. Like there are other elements that we use contact training. And, and I think the learn from NFL um, and where we need to get the balance. And this is where science needs to come in and step in. And we don't do things because we've always historically done it. We do it because we know that this is right, is around the physical robustness of collisions and at what level can you train it without putting yourself at higher risk yeah. of those little knocks and bangs um, is actually using a pad any different to go in bone on bone um, like that type of thing yeah. um, the timing the duration and I think that I think I, I heard somewhere that they're only allowing 16 contact sessions in the NFL outside of and, and so they strategically place those contact yeah. sessions um, and I think yeah, all of that needs science. I, just going back to the article that Jess wrote, um, fascinating to the round the neck strength was something, it wasn't even to do with rugby, but it's something that we maybe need to look at is that women, she says that women are 17% more likely to die in a car crash because of neck strength. And at the same time, there's a way, and she's like, a kind of a proof point is that, you know, women hold a lot less muscle. And if you can put your hand, women, the majority of women can put their hands all the way around their neck because actually, I mean, I've got tiny hands and I can still do it. Probably yeah. when I was playing, I couldn't because I did hold a, a lot more muscle mass in my in my neck. Um, I was a little a little bit of a Dorito box, but um, I've lost a lot of that now. But actually, you know, I, I think those like little things kind of, I don't know, just triggered. That's why I thought it was a really nice article because it was really um, clear. It brought in different examples, different kind of you can visualize that you can you can physically yeah. as a woman you can do that around your neck um actually one thing that i've talked about on the pod before and obviously you were very aware of it because i actually was staying with you in the weeks afterwards i had a bump in the car last year and i hit my head on the window and i had i didn't realize they were concussion symptoms until you kind of said to me you've probably got a concussion because the way you feel but jess hayden also did an interview on five live with nikki campbell and she talked about how the symptoms of concussion in a woman are being really really emotional now i've worked in pro rugby since i was 17 and have been surrounded by men suffering from concussion and it's not necessarily a symptom that they suffer from whereas i couldn't get through the day without bursting into tears i was so emotional I felt so upset and it's because I had a concussion. And again, you know, I think that we are going to see change. And if that means adopting things from the NFL, then absolutely fantastic. But again, kind of going back to what you said earlier, let's not apply a one size fits all approach to this. Let's look at the differences between men's and women's rugby, men's and women's physiology and medicine. And it's something that I bring up all the time. We all know everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a very passionate feminist but something when we were at the World Cup, you and I. But mate, this isn't about feminism. This is about yeah, just who's playing, playing the game. This is about yeah. men and women play the game. And actually we have different makeup physiologically. So 
but it's the right of men's and women's bodies being different and that's something that isn't recognized enough throughout health fit i don't think you need i don't think you need to be a feminist to support that i think you know i mean i think it's just common sense no i agree but i think but then you say it's common sense but i don't think people are aware of that when we were at the world cup i had a conversation with a cardiologist from dublin we were on the beers it's when we were in the hotel with a few other people and i said that i was a passionate feminist because of the difference in the way that men and women are treated by medicine and he disagreed with me about it and I said to him okay you're a cardiologist what are the symptoms of a heart attack and he stood there and told me the symptoms of a heart attack but the symptoms that he described are the symptoms of a heart attack in men the symptoms of a heart attack in women are very different and very few of us realize that and that's why so many women have heart attacks and they go undetected and he turned around to me afterwards he said I've never thought about that the only time I describe the symptoms of a heart attack, I describe them as the symptoms of a heart attack in a man. And it, it, I was really happy that I'd like had a conversation with somebody who really, who was in that point, who realized it was like, that's his job. And it's not that he doesn't care about women, but it's just the nature of how medicine works. And that's where I hope that you know, the, the article that Jess has written and it's been retweeted loads and it's had lots of traction. And I'm really glad that a platform like Rugby Pass is given somebody like Jess the platform to put that article out there. Let's, you know, do this side by side, but let's recognise the differences that women's rugby and men's rugby have and will need to have to make this safer for both. And just, uh, just to kind of wrap it up, I suppose what thing that women's rugby can really benefit from is, you know, um, the point in our game, the point in professionalism where we're starting to see significant changes at the elite level of physicality, you know, the club game now is going up to where reasonably close to a test match level, probably five to 10 years ago, you know, we're seeing in the premiership now because of the nature of more women having strength and conditioning coaching, more women having more time or giving more time to it. But I think that we're in a really important stage of our development of the sport because as women get bigger, obviously the collisions are better, but actually if we can educate the training process around neck strength coming into that for everybody, the foundation, the understanding, the, the training that we're implementing in the week, as these women are getting more time available to them to put in, to be professional, you know, actually have we been a little bit more protective in the women's game because we don't have training every day. I suppose the risk is that we play on a weekend. If you've got a concussion, if you're a professional player, you would rest. We would go back to work and actually working might be a PE teacher. So you're out walking around and you're not resting your brain like you should do. It might be that you work on computers and one of the worst things is screen time. So we've, we've had it in a flip to the men. So I think that that's to me what I'm super passionate about is that we can use this as a platform to learn, to develop, to, to engage. And, and as women are coming into the game, at a later stage we give them like we're talking there's been talk by Alex Popham about um making the age of contact training in and contact rugby older well actually if you look at when girls come in they are older so you know they are more functional they, they're functioning at a different um physical uh, ability anyway so you know so like I think that we can learn from each other but we're in a really good place to to push on and and this is scary times for rugby and it's scary times for players. You know, Matt Dawson has, has openly said in his five live interview that he is worried um, and there are players coming forward. It's awful. It's harrowing. It's really, really sad for them, their family. Um, are we going to see more? Of course we are. But I, 
I feel like if this is done properly, we can learn and make the game even better and even more accessible. And that to me is brilliant. I think the concussion story is going to rumble on, obviously, for a while yet. Um, but on the field antics, we actually got to see each other on the weekend because we were both working Bristol Claremont. I know, from a little distance, gave my uh, tryhards friend a wave. <laughs> and then you got to hear my dulcet tones for the whole game. <laughs> Sorry about that. Because all I could hear, it was one of those games, because there were 12 tries, all I heard was the director just like, okay, VT, where are we going now? It was insane. <laughs> I can't remember working on a game like that. I tweeted that it was the kind of um, antidote to an autumn of not much excitement. That game just made everyone like, yes, yes, this is what we needed. Um, although I don't think it's what Bristol needed because within the first like three minutes of the game, they were 21 nil down. Like it was mental, the start. Um, yeah, I think the problem is when games like as a newbie commentator, well, getting, you know, getting more experienced, when there's so many tries so quickly, you're like going to this like panic mode of there's so many things to talk about. What do I, where do I even start? <laughs> um, but Claremont, you know, the style of rugby they played, the way that they shifted the ball, um, the fact that Matsushima, who was class in the World Cup, getting to see him in Champions Cup debut and getting hat trick was brilliant. And um, although I was a little bit brutal because at half time, Jamie and I, Jamie Heaslip and I were talking about like who would be the star of the match. And he was like, Matsushima's got to be up there. And I was like, they were just running. <laughs> it's like, mate, you can't say that. I was like, I can. He has to earn, like as a fullback, he's got to do more for me than uh, just catch the ball and run in. Um, and actually on that, I spoke about who ended up getting the man of the match. The, the two centres for Clermont, Moala and Nang, Nang Bailey, I can't, I can't remember the pronunciation of the 13th name, but Moala at 12, he was literally like a wrecking ball. It was like, it was like seeing um, Bastereau back in his day, who has gone to play eight, but we'll talk about that in a minute because we'll finish off on this game because Moala was amazing. And actually on the touchline, Ed Jackson, who was reporting, said he heard some of the Bristol boys shouting because obviously like with no crowds you can hear what's yeah. going on and um he was they were like shift it to the edge mismatch shift it to the edge and it wasn't it was the wing and two centers they're just so huge yeah. they were like they thought they were forwards um and then when they did shift it it was like boom city and got absolutely smashed <laughs> I, mean, I can't remember working on a game like that for a long time and it's when you're working like in the truck in production you don't it's quite difficult to follow like the editorial of a game because you're literally just looking at certain angles of things happening. So if you'd held a gun to my head at half time, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what the score was. I was just like, no, there's been a lot of tries. And we were I like, reckon oh, you would have. I, I reckon you would have. No, I, had, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I couldn't. And because the camera angles that I was working with, I had like the high behind. So it's just, it was just insane. So it was really, um, yeah, it was fun. And it was nice to kind of like, again, feel like, European rugby can ignite some excitement in fans more so than international rugby has done. I still have got an issue with the structure of this tournament and the two-legged quarterfinals doesn't make any sense to me. A, a round of 16 will keep this pool stage more interesting because we know what French rugby teams are like. The top 14 is more important than Europe to them nowadays. 
as soon as they're on the receiving end of a loss, they're not going to to continue to fight for this tournament. Equally, if you've got a French team versus a non-French team in a two-legged quarterfinals, if the French team was to lose at home in the first leg, I'm not sure they'd even get on the flight for the second leg. <laughs> so I think there has been a, I don't think they've, they've perhaps structured it as well as it could have been. It doesn't make sense to me for the two-legged part to be the quarterfinals. It would have made more sense for that to be semifinals if they didn't want to keep as many teams in it up to a round of 16. But there we go. The uh, the reigning champs got off to an absolute flyer on Sunday as well. Um, and there was crowds at Sandy Park. There was actual drums, real life kind of cheering and hollering down the West Country. And, you know, <laughs> I like, love it. They're just like, you could tell that the Chiefs boys were just loving it. And they're not going to, it's not going to be a kind of like one season wonder for them with their name on that trophy. One thing I really loved is I was actually in the car. So I was listening to it on Five Live. So BBC Radio, uh, Five Live Sports Extra, take the BBC Radio Devon coverage. So that <laughs> across the whole country. And um, at half time in the match, they stuck with the BBC Radio Devon coverage and they played in Susie Appleby's interview from the Exeter Chiefs women's game on Saturday. They did call them ladies throughout, which grates on me because um, we don't call it gentlemen in the men's game. But um, it, it was just, it felt like proper platforming of women's rugby. It wasn't like, oh, and well done because some girls played here yesterday. It was like, this is what happened in the Exeter Chief Women's Game yesterday. And Susie's interview was brilliant as well because it was, the interviewer was a little bit kind of, oh, you know, um, a good performance at the end. You were screaming to the girls to get the ball off the pitch uh, for that losing bonus point, you know, like a plucky kind of loss at home, but a great, you know, start to fans at Sandy Park. And she was like, yeah, but it's not what we want. We want to win every game. And I just thought, yeah, this is like, don't get a pat on the back for turning up this, you know, this is serious. This is a, yeah, but a you know, if you know Susie, you know that she is literally the most competitive person in the world. So anything other than winning and smashing people, it's just not on her radar. I actually got to catch up with her. Uh, last week which was amazing she's one of my you know longest friends in the game having coached me and supported me from my new age of 15 and it's just a fantastic woman and I chatted to her and Patricia Garcia because they Patricia's coming has come over from Spain and she's delivering their centre of excellence and academy so they just talked to me about like priorities and things to do and it was just really nice to knowledge share with two people that get it two people that I have a huge amount of respect for and and also they have a huge amount of respect for the program that we've delivered at WASPs and and they want to learn from that and and I actually think that knowledge sharing is so important um if we're going to get as many future red roses prepped up and into the premier 15s as possible so it was really lovely to see her and she was on a I don't know I think she was on a dog walk because she was like and Faye was moving around everywhere (laughs) just typical Susie but it was awesome (laughs) the other thing we mentioned even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Is um, in the Leon game on Sunday. Oh yeah, Bastro 8. Bastro 8. One of- what I love, can I just say what I love, is the fact that it was just so weird seeing him in the like line out. But obviously you see like players. Anyway, he scored this try, which came from a line out. It was like a... Um, I think that there was some like loop play it hit in through the centres and then he ended up scoring in the middle of the post like a line of a centre so he did like the forwards roll and the centre roll in the, in the same thing <laughs> I mean they were playing kind of what was pretty much Gloucester's A-League Academy yeah. boys um, and so some of the tries were a bit of a walk-in but to be fair to Gloucester um, they scored some decent tries and can hold their heads up like it, they were out out for a potential showing and they stayed in it um but yeah Bastard at eight was uh it's brilliant because i just love that like why not why like vicky fleetwood perfect example she is a front row i i think she's a, I, I i definitely think though she's potentially the only person in the world to have played under 20s center england seniors hooker and back row and test level international level sevens <laughs> amazing. i mean she's a freak but <laughs> she's she good... had a as a six pack better than um than most of the sprinters we see yeah. at the olympic games <laughs> i mean she had to, and actually i think she did i think it was england school she did england school level i think it was hurdles she was an athlete as really? well yeah um Have her you... dad's an athletics uh... coach have you ever moved position? I'm, I don't, I'm not talking like full back to wing or anything like that at like international level. Have oh yeah, you... I got my first cap at Scrum Half. No, but I mean, actually, it's so funny. The game, have you been like named on a team sheet at like 15 and then had a little scurry down to Scrum Half or anything like that, you know? Um, so when I first, uh, I remember when I first, like, so when I got first capped, I was Scrum Half Um and then I was playing wing at Bristol or Clifton as was um, because Susie was the scrum half. So I played wing. That's actually how I started off on the wing um, because I was behind her of England and I was behind her at club and it meant that we both could play. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember early doors in my career, I was on the wing and we were up at Murrayfield. Um, that was the chip packet story when, uh, <laughs> when the place was empty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Yappy, who was our captain, Joe Yap, who is the most like calm, nice person, 
basically got so fed up there were so many fights it was awful the game was horrendous and she kicked out a player that grabbed her ankle at a breakdown so she like kicked out and got yellow carded and basically as it happened I was it was on my I was playing left wing and I was like I basically ran into the huddle I'm such an idiot I ran into the huddle I was like don't worry I can play nine I've got it and they were like yeah okay no of course you you're like the natural like nine to like replace her Anyway, afterwards, like, like, shit after, open with yeah. like nine in like a super <laughs> press on the chest. Oh, it was so cringe. And afterwards, like, um, all of them just hammered me. It's okay, Nolly's here. I've oh. got it. I can. <laughs> it's so cringe. In the same game, I dropped the ball over the line. So maybe I just was <laughs> a stinker. <laughs> it's got it was a hell of a line and break. Like coming in saying that as well. Like you're the only person on the field who's thought that you're going to play at nine. <laughs> I, and I, I better let them know that even though I've played nine at this level before, I can step in. You know what? So I. So that was that. That was um, 2005, and then kind of over the years I, I, I played more on the wing and that and I ever did at scrum half I was kind of there as like third choice because there'd be a replacement on the bench mm. um if I was starting and um and then in 2000 and, and then in 2009 I moved to fullback and that was when I like really started to, to own the 15 shirt and 2010 World Cup we were playing Kazakhstan and there'd been some injuries and basically I think it was Alice Richardson had got injured she was playing 10 which meant that Katie had to play more minutes, which then meant, well, she needs to rest. So they brought in Latoya, who was the scrum half. So there was like this big movement and they were like, okay, Nolly, you're supposed to be rested this game, um, but we're going to put you on the bench and you're covering nine. And I was like, I genuinely, the day before, remember with Streetie going out, was it Surrey Sports Park, going out and doing a scrum half session. So I was like, I can't remember how to play. And I was practicing my nine passing and I was like, and honestly, I so we did this couple of passes and um I was like oh they're all right and in the game there's a there's this one shot I don't know whether it's there I basically make this pass and I, I'm like delayed by a couple of seconds because I'm like that was a decent pass oh no I'm playing nine I've got to run <laughs> I've got to get to the breakdown and I was I think I only played about 10 minutes and I was absolutely exhausted um <laughs> it is one of these things where like people moving positions does underline how specialist positions are in rugby and how there are certain positions who will have no concept or idea what other people on the pitch are doing and the best example of that that i can think of is when johnny may had to pack down on the flag <laughs> and absolutely no idea where he's meant to put his hands at scrum time and it it, it, yeah it will never get old (laughs) that he but the worst thing about that is that on the one hand like it's hilarious but it's the fact that like johnny may got absolutely hammered for it and the fact that he put his hand up and was like no i'm like i'm going in i've got this Despite the fact that he had absolutely <laughs> no business being there, no idea what he was meant to do. But he's a lot bigger now as well. So the weight that he's got now, he definitely yes. didn't have then. So it's not like he's adding weight. You know, it's interesting you say about positions because I think some players can and they can be that, you know, Austin Healy type of player. Like, and everyone, I remember early on in my career, like actually talking to Streety and he was like I don't want you to be a like a jack of all trades in terms of positions I want you to specialize in one and we need to make sure because you can play different positions yeah. we're not moving around and and I think that's when I kind of really started to own the fullback shirt and also realized I couldn't actually sprint for longer than 10 meters so it's probably not ideal me being on the end I needed to be the person before 
um, and like, I have quicker girls outside me to do that. But um, one thing that people don't realize is, you know, when they're like, oh, I'd chuck them on the wing or like, you know, oh, fullback, that's the same. It's like, no, 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 no. Like fullback is more of a playmaker. You know, you're in first receiver, you're dictating defensive um, positioning, you're managing so much more to, than, a, than a wing does. A wing will be front line. And, but then the other thing is that there's a huge difference between playing 11 and 14. And yeah. everybody always would be like, okay, so you'd put your meteor, like, bigger winger on the right because they would be the person that would do the back row moves. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny, right? And on the left would be your faster ones because you could pass the ball to them quicker because they're coming off your right hand. It's so ridiculous, right? And I know that people still use those um, things, but I, the reasoning, but wingers pop up everywhere now, right? So they're coming all through the field. But actually, if you really regularly play one, to then move on to the other side, it's like playing, it's playing in like, mirror so it's like play like playing in like it's the weirdest thing because your angles people think they're the same but it's a different angle when you're coming in off a different side it's really it's hard to explain until you're in it but um for anyone just chucking someone on the wing it yeah maybe just see which side they and actually would recommend to play both as early as possible i did which then helped me play fullback because it meant that i've had a viewpoint from both sides and then like getting a bit weird and quirky um can you remember in 2003 Clive Woodward brought in the um, eyesight training. I don't know if you've ever heard about all of that. So basically he talked about like, um, it was like the whole 1% things that he brought in. And there was this whole um, visual training where you'd develop your peripheral vision, you'd develop your focus, um, all sorts of like really cool activities to do it. Cause I did what I did a test and it, you, there was these, I had an uh, electric car that I would have to, what are they, you know, like a handheld thing. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and I, they were like, right, this is the cone on one side. You've got to drive it to the same distance on that side and then flip it over. So there's this like depth perception as well. Um, and it got to the point where everybody has a stronger eye. So one, ha you have a lead eye, you have two big ball eyeballs, but I'm not quite sure. Which one's stronger than the other? Um, my left eye is my better eye. Okay. Well, but one, one works on depth um, and one works on vision. So they do have different roles depending on who you are. And you can do it by little tests by putting your hand inside your face. Anyway, um, but to the point where if I was left eye dominant, then it would be better for me to be on the right wing because I can see and I can, I can perceive things differently from that side. Now that's not necessarily the case in the elite game now because you're coming off your wing and you're right, actually coming in. Uh, Drew Mitchell, who played in the 2015 World Cup final for Australia, can only play on one wing because he's blind in one of his eyes. He's got no sight in one of his eyes. Oh, there you go. And so to the point that's where it's not that child, it's... So like, there's not going to be like, pick him on the other side. Well, and also um, then you've got Jodie Owensley, who is yeah. profoundly deaf um, and actually where you play her and how she plays and um the communication and stuff like that yeah it's fascinating like I love all of that stuff and people maybe don't um think it. and I look if you coach grassroots rugby I'm not saying you need to test people and put them only in that position I am not saying that I'm saying that there's loads of fascinating things that are being and I don't think the strength that the site training has been has like it wasn't carried on it was something that um 
yeah the, the 2003 boys really did i did later. i was aware of and i haven't thought about but i obviously don't have very good eyesight and i have really poor depth perception because i have a very severe astigmatism so is it also because you're quite short so everything you have a bit nicer to me because this you know is a real struggle for me in life but i can't parallel park both ways because i cannot my eyes won't allow me to judge it i can't park to the left i can only park to the right and it's something i really struggle with it's also the same way i know this entertains you it entertains a lot of friends who see it i can't if i look at two escalators unless there's people on them i don't know which direction they're traveling in so and i find it very hard to get on an escalator it's like watching a dog trying to get on because i'm not quite sure when to release my foot and put it on there and I'll often end up putting one foot on and then doing the splits because I'm not quite sure if I'm on or not. And there were some funny stories of us um, in Tokyo with those same issues in the world's busiest um, tube station in Shinjuku, try, like backing up thousands of people. Uh, oh, hang on. Wait, which way? Ah, I'm like pushing you on. Anyway. Enjoy it, um, they? they? did not enjoy it. Talking of Tokyo... Oh my gosh. So Lolly's Laureus Move the World Challenge, when it was first set up, she specifically October 19th. October 19th. What's the deadline on this? Have we got until the Olympics to get (laughs) our people moving and cover the distance? Because it's a huge distance. When you told me, I was like, it's this is a ridiculous thing that she's picked because I'm not quite sure that you'd visualized how far it was. So October 19th, so less than two months, the Sevens family who signed up to Nolly's Move the World Challenge have got to Tokyo. Their mileage combined has got to Tokyo. 9,566 kilometers and we've smashed it. And people are like, no, I've set a goal to get to 300. I've set a goal to get to 500. No, and they're like, no, I'm carrying on. And I text Lee McKenzie saying like, you know, thank you for your support and, um, and promoting it. And then um, she was like, I'm gutted it's finished. I've really enjoyed it. Aww. And so I'm kind of maybe thinking, do we come back from Tokyo? Are we, I mean, we're there. Do we come back? I'm not come sure. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know what? We raised over £1,300 for Larius, which might not sound loads, but actually it is. It makes every Especially this pound year. count. Yeah, and, and I think that it wasn't a fit. I, I put a target of £1,000 because I thought, you know what, if we can all just kind of chip in. Um, I was thinking if we can have £1,000, that's £10 for 100 people. And we got 102 people involved. We got £1,300 raised and um, yeah, we smashed it. And and a shout out to a few people. So James Harding, who I'm linked to through uh, Wasps Legends, who sponsored me God, a few years ago, he got in touch and donated £100 and also has done nearly 500 kilometres. Sven Glor has done nearly 1,200 kilometres. He is mental on a bike. That's a try. Um, yeah ultimate try hard and um, phil aiken my friend who um i'm working with at the moment with micah he is he's like done something every day so chipped away at it got his boys involved he's even done it on a um in a kayak like loves it it's <laughs> ultimate um wasps ladies have donated loads of kilometers together we had the mother ruckers guesty got all of her family involved. just did so many people i like i can't keep it like i'm sorry if i haven't said you but I'm blown away that we managed to achieve it. Um, like really, really chuffed. 
And, uh, and it also, I think the big thing for me is the reasoning behind why you chose that. I really hope that it has put a spotlight on the um, men and women who are trying to get to Tokyo for the sevens next year. Um, perhaps it's been like overlooked by certain people, but you know, we are, we've delayed an Olympic games and they're now in a situation where financial hardship is going to hit them and because of the loss of contracts, but they ultimately want to get there to represent us. So if we can support them in any other ways in the lead up to this games, we will, won't we? Yeah. And, and it kind of shows that there's a massive value of, you need a catalyst and maybe a reason or someone to just get something going, but there's a huge, huge value in um, our rugby family and also what we can actually achieve as a community and I think that that kind of community spirit you know the charities that we've supported um, they rely on community spirit with volunteers and people and funding and and actually just I think it just shows that you can contribute it doesn't have to be huge amounts of money it could be your time it could be doing some activity um, and yeah I think I'm just really grateful for people to get behind me and just show not for me personally but like you said it's for the for the the bigger picture of Laureus and Sevens which is super close to my heart. Um, I just wanted to mention um, before we finish today that there is a Christmas Scrum 5 on the 28th of no- of December because that would make sense if it was November it would have been <laughs> um, and I went and did a shoot on Sunday with Planetly Warriors who are um, a mixed ability rugby team who this year have celebrated 25 years of existence and being there for people in the community around Llanelli and over the Lucker and further west um 25 years that's amazing yeah it's amazing it started off with um there's a team in Swansea called the Swansea Gladiators they were the first ones they've existed slightly longer and um in 1995 they challenged a day centre in Llanelli to form a team and play a match against them in their first year they played two games against each other and it's still very much in dispute who the winner was. So they call it, <laughs> it's still been very much disputed. And then in the second year, the Warriors were actually able to play at Stradley Park, which is obviously the former home of Flanathley Rugby. Um, now it's housing estate. But um, they played at Stradley and they beat the Gladiators. Um, Craig Cornell went down to award the trophy because he was up his mum and dad's and saw that the floodlights were on at the stadium, so wandered down. Um, but in the time since, they the story is amazing, not just because of um, who they are and the service that they provide to a group of people who, especially in a year like this, have, uh, are often overlooked in society and marginalised. But they've been on on amazing tours. And the first tour they went to Tiverton. But oh, that's by then, my mum's. I know. But since then, they've toured New Zealand. And they've also toured Samoa, which... There aren't many international players who can say that they've done that. So the fact that they have, it's amazing. And, and I actually, one of the big things, have you just, have you just ruined all of your content? No, because I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't want to give away too much of it. Um, but I will say, look out for it because the captain Richard tells the story that there's lots of things at the moment that we've moaned about in rugby, but it makes you very proud to be involved in a sport that's so inclusive. And I just want to say a massive well done to the WIU because they are genuinely the world leaders when it comes to in, like inclusivity at the moment, when it comes to people in society who perhaps are um, have intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities, but 
the WRU have, have put so much time and effort over the past few years under the leadership of Darren Carew, who um, himself lost a leg in Afghanistan serving for the army. Um, he has done so much work and now the WRU have got a visually impaired international side. They've got, um, they've always had a deaf Welsh team, which have been so, so successful, but they have the disability six nations, Ashford Menachar. I know you've actually had some experience where you did some substitute teaching up there. Yeah. So when I, yeah. So when I graduated from uni, I was like debating whether I should do teaching and PGCE and UIC off, like offered me a place. And I was like, oh, I don't know, am I just doing it for the sake of it? It was like the end of the World Cup and that. And I was just like, ah. So I was like, oh, why don't I do substitution, like sub-teaching for a year? Um, like there's nothing worse than that. And I absolutely loved it. I found myself, I think I've told a few stories about going up to the Gernos and um, te- like being in a position that I actually could have taught my ex-boyfriend weird because he's five years younger than me anyway that's odd um but yeah I went to Astrid Manek and Trinity Fields for um about four or five months and I worked across the school um and it was just incredible like it was it was really hard work and opened my eyes to oh my god like how much these people care like the teachers and staff you know there were four staff to seven children and and they ran riot, you know, they were like, but they were just the most incredible people. And and one of my favorite people there, obviously I was kind of going to be more engaged with PE, but I was a bit worried about it. Cause I was a bit like, what can they do? You know, and, and not in a bad way, but just in a completely uneducated way. And, and the PE teacher there, and I forget his name was just such a cool guy. Cause he was like, well, I'm not gonna put restrictions on these, on these people. It's up to them. And, and also their helpers weren't allowed to put restrictions on them. They had to sit on the side and the kids said, no, I feel comfortable doing this. And they were, you know, children that I would never have believed could achieve. Were, they were empowering themselves. They were up on this massive trampoline. They were doing all these cool things. And I was like, oh my God. And it just opened my eyes to, to the limits that I put on somebody, which was wrong, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. And he just completely enriched my mind to how I coach, how I deliver, um, working with young people with disabilities. And then on sports day, <laughs> it was the best day ever. And he was like, it was so much fun. It was complete chaos. It was like, we started a race and it was like dropping marbles. Like everyone like went everywhere. There was no light. It was just kept crazy. We had like, um, parent carer races where they were where they were wheeling their child got really competitive I was like okay like hang on like, calm down um and it was just brilliant to see how sport enriched their lives in a way that I hadn't appreciated or supported because it, in in concern that I was worried about them and actually I should like every value that we have from sport of course can go through everybody's lives and that's why I love hearing about the mixed ability rugby because I'm like yeah of course rugby should be for everyone of course it should and like like that's done easily um I think for me there's obviously for me there's a very kind of personal side to it in that um I'm very glad that I get to tell a story on scrum five that involves people who we wouldn't see on scrum five on a normally weekly basis. The reason that's important to me is because um, as you know, and whether many of our listeners will, I've got a very close family member who has down syndrome. I was 12 years old when he was born and I will, 
I tell people all the time when I was told that news and I can remember being in the car when he was a day old to go and meet him for the first time. I was absolutely petrified. I was so scared. I was so scared they were going to make me hold this baby that had Down syndrome. I never met anyone in my life with Down syndrome. I'd seen them on TV. Perhaps I passed people in the street, but oh my God, I was so scared. And then I held this baby who 18 years ago just stole my heart and just has not given it back since. Um, <laughs> and it's been really um, interesting for me over the past few years to see that as a society, we are being more inclusive generally. And the fear that I had as a 12 year old came from a place of not seeing people included in society who were different. So programs like this for the Finale Warriors are so important because it shows that everyone has a place in our society and everyone can participate and give something and offer something. And I'm so happy that I got to wear a Christmas cardigan and be there on Sunday to watch them train after a really difficult year for a lot of them, for all of us. Um, but yeah, it was just amazing. Really, really and actually, got me thinking a little shout out to Long Levens Rugby Club who I met via Gallagher who are shortlisted for grassroots um club of the year they didn't win unfortunately but I met um Rich who's the inclusion manager and a couple of players um and I they've got over 50 senior players they've, they've got interlinking with um, a couple of local special educational needs schools and they've got an awesome program down there. So if you are in Gloucester, um, and I know there's a few people that listen from here, um, then make sure you pop along and, and see whether you can help out or you can be part of it. Or if you've got a young person or adult in your life that you feel like hasn't been included in rugby yet, um, the, the person that I spoke to, the player, he was just loving it. And he was like completely in, in, like embedded in Long Levens as a club. They had a space, they were a team, they were, you know, they played and actually some of them have gone through into playing into the mainstream yeah. um, club. And I think that that transition is just awesome. And it just completely knocks down any barriers, um, educates people to the point where everybody can be involved. It just might look a bit different. It might sound a bit different. It might feel a little bit different, but different is great. And I think that yeah, that, a little shout out to them because I just loved hearing their story. Um, and I'm really look, looking forward to hearing your piece. Well, what a, nice, what a nice pod we've had today. What are you doing for the rest of the day? Um, so I've actually got to pop into London, even though we are in lockdown. Um, I, I have to go and do some work. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, we've hit tier three um, now, which means that there's no hospitality. There are certain things that you can do if you're a key worker or do bits and pieces. So, yeah um and then just getting getting over the last hurdle for the last few bits of work before we I'm going to make myself have a bit of a break um from emails from screens um apart from obviously sure I'll zoom you um (laughs) um but I'm also commentating this weekend I fly over to Dublin because we're covering Leinster Northampton which hopefully won't be too much of a shoeing um but um yeah are you got a birthday hangover um, no, because obviously you can't buy alcohol in um, restaurants and bars. So we had a we had a bottle of champagne with dinner, um, and we're going for an afternoon tea for my younger sister's thirtieth this afternoon. So again, no alcohol, but she's not much of a drinker. It's just my day that's ruined by that. So, <laughs> well, have fun, my friends, and um, everybody else. Enjoy the rest of your maybe. Well, this week we're not at Christmas week yet, are we? Oh, it's not Christmas week yet. Next week's Christmas week. Okay, we'll give you a Christmas special next week. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 